For those of you keeping score, you may notice that next week is Palm Sunday. And so we're sort of wrapping up Lent this week and in the coming days of our personal devotions and prayers and Bible readings. And today's gospel lesson, the one that you just heard read, takes place in the Gospel of John the day before what we now call Palm Sunday. So the writer of John very carefully put this gospel reading in this key position. And we need to pay attention to that. Now, the reading about a woman who anoints Jesus with costly perfume takes place in all four Gospels, in various forms, with little details changed. And a little plug here, if you listen to this week's podcast, you can hear some details around that. But having it in all four Gospels tells us that this was seen as extremely significant from the various very earliest days of Christianity, that when people were writing down the Gospels, were carefully writing down the events of Jesus' life and his teaching, everyone around who would hear it say, wait, 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 you need that story about the woman who anointed Jesus. Remember, that one is important to all of us. And so we need to see how this plays into particularly the context of the Gospel of John, from which this particular one comes. Now, one of the fun things about the Gospel of John that you may not have known is that any time a woman speaks with Jesus or interacts with Jesus, something crucial about Jesus is being revealed. That the men in the Gospel of John are often complete dunderheads, are clueless, have no idea what's going on. They're set up as foils to Jesus' teaching. But the vast majority of the time that women are mentioned, and every time that a woman is mentioned by name, it is someone who is about to either share a great deal of wisdom or is doing an action that reveals who Jesus is in a way that others may not understand otherwise. And so here we have Mary anointing Jesus putting expensive perfume on Jesus. Now, one of the things to keep in mind is there are lots of Marys in the Gospels. So this is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. So it's not Mary Magdalene, it's not Mary the mother of Jesus, it's this Mary. Mary of Bethany is sometimes uh, how it's phrased because that's the town that the three of them lived in. So Mary does this anointing action and the folks around her, who probably are mostly men at that moment, are mystified about what's happening here. Why is, the, why is this going on? Why is Mary choosing to take this action at this time? There's so many better things that could happen right now. There are so many better things that could happen with the money spent on this perfume. What is this all about? Well... It doesn't say this, but I think we can interpret, and we're all called to interpret, however the Holy Spirit is leading us, so you don't have to take what I say as gospel. Instead, you get to decide. I think Mary was the only one in the room at that moment who had any clue what was going to happen to Jesus besides Jesus himself. I think the men who were gathered around had no idea 
the danger that Jesus was facing. They had no idea that the next day when Jesus went into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, that that was going to start the last week of Jesus' life on earth. I think the men there were living in denial. I think the men there didn't want to face what was happening. They didn't want to see how dangerous the Romans had become to them. But if we were to read on in the Gospel of John, we'd see that John points out that not just Jesus, but also the life of Lazarus, what Lazarus was being endangered by plots against them because Lazarus had been raised from the dead by Jesus and so was a dangerous symbol of Jesus' power. So this story takes place in the midst of deadly plots being in the air. The people with Jesus, the men with Jesus, want to have a nice party. They want to have some quiet time, perhaps, with Jesus. They want to hear some more good stories, want maybe even to see maybe even a miracle on this quiet evening. But Mary could see how things were going to play out. Not because she was a prophet, not because she had some spiritual learning, but because it was obvious. It was obvious the Romans were paying attention to what Jesus was teaching and the miracles he was before performing. It was clear that he was seen as a dangerous person to the Roman state the Roman control of that territory. And so Mary could see that Jesus was going to die. That's what the Romans did with anyone who tried to resist them. Crucifixions were a daily occurrence in the Holy Land at that time. Often they took place by the dozens, if not hundreds, every day. Mary could see this was the path that Jesus was walking. But she knew Jesus well enough, she loved Jesus enough that she knew there was no way Jesus was going to veer from this path. She knew that it was not going to do any good to tell Jesus to try something else, like Peter did some chapters before in the other Gospels, when Peter says, oh no, Jesus, don't, don't go to Jerusalem, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. No. Mary knew this is who Jesus was, this is what Jesus had to do, and there's nothing she could do to change Jesus' mind, and there's nothing she could do to prevent the violence of the Romans. And so, she did the only thing she could. She loved Jesus right there. In that evening, the last evening it turned out, that she'd have with Jesus, she loved him as best she could. And that was going to be by gifting him with this expensive perfume. Now, we often look at Bible passages as, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to live out from this passage? And that's good to do, but we usually look for a literal answer. And we do not get the opportunity to anoint Jesus as Mary of Bethany did in this story. And yet, repeatedly in our lives, we're going to have people we love and care about who we know are walking down a path that will lead to suffering and death. It may be because of disease. It may be because of life choices. It may be because of all sorts of factors beyond anyone's control. 
And we, as people who love those folks, cannot fix it, cannot prevent it, cannot stop it. And so rather than walk away, as may be our initial inclination, this passage gives us an example of what we are called to do by God in such circumstances. And that is to love. How to do it? It doesn't say. Not many of us are going to go around repeatedly anointing people's feet with perfume. That probably is not a go out and do likewise instruction. Some might, but probably not a whole lot of us. Instead, we'll have to listen to God in that moment and discern from God what is the best way to love in that circumstance, in that moment, when death may be days away or destruction or suffering or this bad stuff happening that's unavoidable. How do we love in that moment? How do we express that this person is a real human being is precious in God's sight and in ours. And even just for one evening, we want to love them as best we can. There's no sure answer to that question. We have to be in the moment to know what our response should be. And that is Mary's great gift to us. Mary of Bethany was fully aware of everything going around her. She knew the Romans were going to be knocking on the door figuratively in just a few days. She knew that was inevitable. She knew Jesus was going to be dying soon and would be tortured a whole lot before that. She knew all that was happening. She was fully aware, fully present, listening to God and seeing the world around her with clear eyes. That is another example for us, that when we can do that, it is so much easier to hear, to discern how, how it is God is calling us to love in that moment. And then when we do so, well, what do you know? We actually are anointing Jesus' feet. Because Jesus tells us in other places in the gospel so many times, over and over, that when we love someone in the name of God, we are loving Jesus. When we love someone who is forgotten, when we love someone who's an outcast, when we love someone who is hurting, someone who's a prisoner, who is hungry, the list goes on and on through the Gospels and the Hebrew Scriptures before that. When we do that, we are in fact loving God. And so in that way, we do get to walk in the same steps that Mary walked. We do get to anoint Jesus with our love for the person near us who is facing suffering, our love for the person we encounter who is facing death. Our love for the person who comes into our life, perhaps through the guidance of God, who needs our love and our affection. Recognize that person as a real human being, even as life is dehumanizing them in countless ways. The good news is, we get to look past Holy Week to Easter. And know that even as Jesus is walking towards his death and suffering, there is resurrection as one of the next major steps in Jesus' existence. And of course, his existence goes well beyond that. We too can carry that resurrection hope even as we are loving someone in the midst of a Good Friday moment. 
we get to have that long-term perspective that God's resurrecting love will transform the world, maybe not even within our lifetimes, but perhaps, perhaps within our lifetimes. And that can give us the hope, the peace, the energy to love in those difficult circumstances, to love in those holy week moments that God gives us to love the people around us. So Mary of Bethany is a fantastic role model for us in so many ways each day of our lives to love the people around us, to be aware of what's going on in the world around us, to reach out towards those who are facing unfixable brokenness and to inject God's resurrecting love into those situations simply by our simple actions. Washing, anointing, feeding, holding, whatever it may be, so that that person and the whole wide world may know that God's resurrecting love is real and active and right here with us today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.